When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Live Free Creative, the podcast that provides inspiration and ideas for living a creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I hope that each time you listen, you feel a little bit more free to live your life exactly the way you want to live it. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Live Free Creative with Miranda Anderson. That's me. I'm your host. Every week, Thursday morning, I'm here to share a little bit of inspiration, some ideas, and maybe some motivation for you to live life a little more aligned with the way that you want it to feel, a little bit more creatively, a little bit more adventurously, a little bit more intentionally. Today's episode number 114, 114, is all about trusting yourself and trusting others. I can't wait to dive into this topic that feels applicable to right now and always in our lives after a quick segment I like to call Pause for a Poem. Small light in the sky appearing suddenly between two pine boughs, their fine needles now etched onto the radiant surface. And above this high, feathery heaven, smell the air. That is the smell of white pine, most intense when the wind blows through it, and the sound it makes equally strange, like the sound of the wind in a movie, shadows moving. The ropes making the sound they make. What you hear now will be the sound of the nightingale, Chordata, the male bird courting the female. The ropes shift. The hammock sways in the wind, tied firmly between two pine trees. Smell the air. That is the smell of the white pine. It is my mother's voice you hear, or is it only the sound the trees make when the air passes through them? Because what sound would it make? Passing through nothing. The Past by Louise Glick I love the imagery of that one. I can just imagine myself, as I have done many times, laying on a hammock, swaying in the wind, smelling all of the smells from being outdoors and listening to the birds call and imagining my memories thinking of my future, such a beautiful moment captured by Louise Glick, who is notable right now, especially I chose one of her poems because she was just awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature for the year 2020. So in congratulations, I was excited to share one of her beautiful poems and can't wait to dive into more. She was new to me and I already love the words that she shares. Okay, should we do another segment called Brutal Honesty? (laughs) This, if I were to be brutally honest right now with you, my friends, it would be that I am so tired. <laughs> I think I've had that sort of honest confession a couple times over the last six months on the show. For whatever reason, this particular moment, I just am really excited to go home and crawl in bed. And notwithstanding my fatigue from the ongoing management of 
my beautiful family, my wonderful kids' education, all of the ins and outs that I adore about pursuing progress in our home and our yard and our life, I am thrilled to be able to share this episode with you. I've been thinking a lot about this, the idea of trusting ourselves and trusting others. And I have to tell you, the sort of, there's always these ideas all bouncing around in my head at the same time. I have several different places that I keep notes on the types of shows that I want to share and the podcast topics. And sometimes I ask my audience and I get ideas from you all. And then usually there's a few that I'm sort of narrowing down on and taking notes on and and thinking about researching. And then there's usually some something in particular, like the the moment, the tipping point that solidifies something that I want to share or talk about. The tipping point for this episode came a couple weeks ago. I was on a run and I was listening to a podcast episode. It was actually not a podcast episode. It was a private coaching feed. I am part of Jody Moore's Be Bold coaching program. And I was listening to a previously recorded live coaching session where Jody was talking through with a bunch of different participants different things that were happening in their lives and places that they were feeling stuck or friction uh, with relationships mostly because what all of this comes down to all of the the ways in our lives that we feel stuck frustrated angry overwhelmed stressed out most of those things have to do with relationships either with someone else i mean when we think about relationships we most often think of them as being with someone else We also sometimes feel all of those same feelings because of the relationship we have with ourself. And that's something that we don't as often reflect on as a relationship. We think of it as just us, just problems we have with ourselves. But we can also think about this as a relationship, the way that we interact with ourself, with our thoughts, the way that we handle our own mistakes, our misgivings, our worry, our interest, our stress. We can handle that from a, a, a place of depth where we are almost like a third party and can observe the way that we're thinking, the way that we're feeling, the way that we're acting, and then have that relationship with ourselves. And I know that I've talked about that in other shows when I talk about getting to know ourselves and spending time with ourselves the way we would with a friend. And uh, so this coaching call in particular, person after person were coming to Jody with these friction points, these sticking points in their lives of relationships. And over and over throughout this one call, for whatever reason, the theme kept coming back to trust yourself and trust them. In, in some cases, the, the people needed to just hear, you know what you're doing. You can go inside for the answers rather than looking outside yourself for the answers. And it's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes don't mean that you shouldn't try again. They just mean that you're on the right path, actually, because you're human and humans make mistakes. And there was also this component of you can't control what other people do or how they act or what they think. You can choose to trust them, to trust that they are making the decisions that are best for themselves. And these two ideas of trusting ourselves and trusting others started to just tumble around in my head and I started collecting all of these other memories and experiences that I have personally with the idea of trusting myself and trusting others. Times that I've been great at it and I feel really good about it and times that I have not, that I've made the decision to not trust myself and to not trust others and and really all of the negative emotions that that tends to bring up and build. So In this episode, I just really, my hope is to bring to your awareness the idea that might be new to you or something that you don't always have front of mind that you can at any time choose to trust yourself with the decisions that you need to make, big and little. You can reclaim your ability to drive your life, to be in the driver's seat and to know that the things that you choose for you and your family are the right decision for you. I also want to touch on the inverse relationship to that, which is allowing everyone else in your life, everyone else in your community, everyone else on the planet, 
that same opportunity. Offshoring the responsibility for other people's thoughts, choices, actions, beliefs, habits, trusting them to take care of that for themselves and focusing in on on you and yourself. I think this is an ongoing process. It's something that we revisit, that we remind ourselves that maybe we have practices and mantras and things that we use to help us remember that we want to trust ourselves and that we want to trust others and that we are trustworthy and that it's okay for things to even go wrong, that trusting ourselves and trusting others doesn't mean that everything's going to always happen perfectly or the way we think that it will. It just means that we assume control over what we can control and that we release perceived control over the things that we never could control in the first place, which includes everyone outside of ourselves. So to get started, I want to share a phrase that I think illustrates this so well, this whole idea. Years ago, I don't remember exactly when, I think Dave and I may have been listening to uh, a conference on TV or, or something where one of the speakers mentioned the idea of assuming nobility in everyone around you. And for whatever reason, that phrase, the particular phrase, assume nobility, struck both Dave, my husband, and myself. We looked at each other and we were like, wow, that's a good phrase. We just, I had heard this idea said in ways like, give other people the benefit of the doubt or believe that other people can make good choices or that, you know, everyone is fighting a hard battle. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives, so be kind. All of those other ways that we say the same thing. This, for whatever reason, was really powerful. Assume nobility. I love that this phrase puts the power in my hands. I am the one who gets to assume nobility for others. And I'm going to use this for ourselves as well, to assume nobility for myself. What does assume nobility mean? I think that it means that we believe, we choose to believe that other people are acting in the best way they know how, from their highest possible faculties at the, at the moment. Now, I know from personal experience that I often am trying my best, like very often I'm trying my best. I would probably even go so far if I give myself the grace that I deserve to say that I'm always doing my best and that sometimes my best looks different than other times. I'm doing my best when I get up, when my alarm goes off and I put my shoes on and I go on a run and I listen to a podcast and I come home and I eat a healthy breakfast. I, I smash homeschool. We do an awesome job and focus the whole time. I, you know, get the laundry folded. I get my work done. I connect with my kids. I connect with my husband. We have a great dinner. Like those days, those like banner days, I'm doing my best absolutely all day long and friends (laughs) when I snooze and snooze and snooze and I don't get out of bed and go on my run and then I'm a little bit grumpy and so I eat waffles with tons of syrup for breakfast to sort of try to feel a little better and be cozy, you know, in the the morning in my day and I kind of say, who cares about homeschool? Or I say, let's do it and then I'm kind of mad at everyone because they're not focused the way that I think that they should be. Even that... 180 of an experience can be me doing my best. Maybe my best that morning is exactly the way that I'm showing up. Maybe my best because I'm tired, because I'm sad, because I'm dealing with, you know, so many things like we all are all the time. Maybe our best is going to be different every day. If it's that way for me, if I really do my best and my best just happens to look 100% some days and 20% some days, then I can very easily relate to the idea that other people are probably also all doing their best all the time and that their best 
some days looks like 100%, and that their best other days looks like five. It looks pretty bad. It looks like they're trying to hurt my feelings. It looks like they're intentionally avoiding me. It looks like they're pushing my buttons on purpose. And maybe, maybe that's their very best because of all of the other things that they're managing and carrying and dealing with as humans on the planet. For a few minutes now, I want to dive into trusting ourselves And then we'll hop into trusting others. Again, I am not able to give you all of the right answers or a special formula to make all of this perfectly aligned and just easy and happen. My goal in this podcast and sharing about these ideas is simply to invite some reflection in your own life, invite you to ask yourself the questions. How can I trust myself better? In what ways am I not leaning into my own intuition? And then on the other side, is it possible that those around me are doing their best? Is it possible that I can release my control over micromanaging everyone else's lives because I can lend them this trust that they are going to make the decisions that they feel are best for themselves, even if I don't necessarily agree, and what power there is in that. Okay, so let's start with trusting myself. The older I get, the wiser I get. (laughs) Really, the older I get, the longer I'm living on earth and the more time I have to reflect, the more I realize that my most important relationship is the one that I have with myself, my ability to trust myself. And I'm going to, as a woman of faith, say that that feels like a relationship that I also have with my creator. That as I go deep inside to ask questions about what is right for me, what is right for my family, what feels like the best possible life, that that's me going deep inside to where my body connects to my soul and my soul connects to the universe. And I, in that place, from that depth am able to tune in to my highest self, to myself that knows that most things don't matter. Most things are tangential to what does really matter most, and that is loving myself, loving my family, loving those around me. That's really like, oh man, you get all, all the way down there and you're like, okay, well, it's quite simple, actually. <laughs> the, the only thing that really matters is the way that I bring this compassion and this love out of myself and for myself. We spend so much time and energy surveying the room for the correct answers. I don't know if you are like me. But sometimes as you're getting ready to make a choice, you might even Google. (laughs) See if Google knows the answer of what is right for you. In fact, in uh, Glennon Doyle's recent book, Untamed, she actually talks about going to Google one night and typing in, should I get a divorce? (laughs) Something like that. These, These big life questions, we are so trained to find out what everyone else thinks and to care deeply what everyone else thinks that we sometimes never even learn how to go inside for the answers how to lean into our own inherent divinity our own inherent understanding of ourselves no one else knows you better than you do and i know sometimes we say that like oh he knows me better than i know myself If that's true, it's only because you aren't paying attention to yourself. If someone else knows you better than you know yourself, you probably deserve a little bit more self-reflection. You probably need to give yourself a little bit more time to get to know yourself. We are the only ones that inhabit these shells of our own bodies that contain all of our own experiences, all of our own memories, all of our own perspectives, all of our own emotions, all of those hormones that create our existence, that 
the dopamine hit and the serotonin and oxytocin and all of the good and the bad emotions that rush through our bodies, we are the only ones that feel them the way that we feel them. We are the only ones that know what we know. And beautifully, incredibly, we are all unique. We are wired differently. We're, we're of course, so similar as humans, And as individuals, we are authentically different. What you love, what matters to you, what feels good to you, what lights you up, what life you want to live when you project your future, the types of experiences and things and people and relationships and travel and and homes and belongings and all of those things, that what comes out of you is going to be totally unique, totally different than what comes out of someone else. And the motivation behind it, the reasons, the the why, the hope, the purpose, all of that is also so unique. The ups and the downs and the figuring things out and the not knowing and then making a decision and realizing it, it was a mistake and then going back and making it a different way and then realizing that you learned something about yourself, all of that is part of the, the, the purpose, part of the journey. Early, early on in the podcast, years ago, two years ago, I started to say fairly often, and I've gotten away from it a little bit, but I I think I had a little bit of a tagline going for a while that was, the purpose is the process, or the process is the purpose. Like, all of the decisions that we make, all of the learning, the experimenting, the figuring it out, we think that we're supposed to know everything. We might not know the end right now, but we do certainly know, or at least we can try the next right step rather than trying to jump ahead and plan the whole future why don't we lean in a little bit to what's happening now and trust ourselves to move forward in the direction that just feels right like a little nudge a little nudge in in one direction or another I was interviewed on a podcast recently that I'll share with you when it comes out I'm not sure exactly when it comes out but the interviewer my friend was so interesting the questions that she asked about my professional journey and I it had been a while since I went back and remembered the twists and turns and decision making and the experiences that really led me to where I am now in 2007 when I started a blog I had no clear vision it was not meant to be a a business. It was not meant to be anything except for kind of a fun hobby to hang out with some of my friends online because I didn't live nearby them. And I didn't know, I never ever in a million years could have predicted exactly what would have come. I went one step at a time, one nudge, one thought, one following a curiosity. And I'm by no means at the end of this journey. I always have some little next step happening in the pursuit of progress for the purpose of enjoyment and and development not because I think I'm not whole or because I think I'm not successful we can pursue progress for fun we pursue progress and development because we are built to continually evolve and learn and grow I think This matters much more in the big decisions, and it can also guide the small decisions. In fact, in Live Free from Clutter, my guided intentional living course, the last couple weeks we talk a lot about how to set up a personal intentional living plan or intentional living guidelines that are personal. They're for ourselves. Everyone comes out of the program with a totally unique set of sort of pillars so that they can more easily live a values-driven life. That the small decisions, like the everyday decisions about what to eat for lunch or where to shop or whether to shop or uh, who to hang out with, those types of things that feel like, gosh, how do I even, like, how does that even matter that much when we go all the way back to, like, the only thing that matters is showing up with love? (laughs) Those little decisions can also be made from a place of trusting yourself and choosing to really understand your own personal values. So number one, as I've just rambled on about this, I hope that you're able to feel that you already know yourself the best. 
and that rather than always looking outside, I think it's okay to gather information, to gather opinions, to gather ideas, but make your decisions by going inside and allow yourself a lot of grace and compassion. That love, showing up with love and compassion and and benefit of the doubt and assuming nobility, you do that for yourself just like you do for others. You, In fact, you have to do that for yourself before you can do it for others. You have to say, even on a bad day, I am doing the best that I can. And maybe if it's a really bad day or a really bad series of days, then you're able to recognize my best sure is hurting a lot of people. And in order to trust myself, I might need to ask for some help. I might need to talk to a therapist. I might need to create more time to sleep so that I can do even better as my best because you recognize that your best isn't your favorite. Guess what? You, again, can make some choices that help facilitate trusting yourself, believing that you're doing a good job, believing that you're doing your best, and giving yourself that grace. Okay, let's talk for just a few minutes about trusting others. And specifically, I want to talk about trusting others to make the best possible decisions for themselves. Trusting others to know themselves. Trusting that others are doing their best. Just the way that we just talked about, we can trust and believe that we are also doing our best. I'm not necessarily talking about breaking down boundaries and giving all of your passwords away or trusting others with secrets or I'm not talking about trusting others to make the best decision possible for you. I'm talking about trusting others to make the best decision possible for them. This feels a little bit like kind of a mind flip. We often have a really hard time when other people don't do the things we think they should do or say the things we think they should say or behave in the way that we think they should behave. Raise your hand if you've ever felt frustrated and angry that someone else wasn't just a little bit different, (laughs) that they didn't just make better decisions for you, that the way that they behaved or the way that they made decisions didn't take into account your well-being or your happiness or your satisfaction or your hunger or whatever the case may be. I was reading in an article on Psychology Today online that was talking about trust issues. And one of the things it mentioned is that you may have trust issues if you view people with suspicion about their motives, you assume the worst intentions by others, or that you make all of your interactions about you. For example, you would say, how could they do this to me? Rather than, Understanding that they might not even be taking you into account as they make their decisions because not all of their decisions will be about you. Just as not all of your decisions are about other people. Most of the time, we're all acting in some type of self-interest. Whether because we want to actually do the thing or because we want to be known or seen or even think of ourselves as the type of person who does those sorts of things, when we go really deep into the way that we are choosing to act, most of the time it's because that's the way we want to act. Right? I mean, as it should be. (laughs) Why then would we assume that other people would be making all of their decisions based on how we want them to act rather than on how they want to act, how they want to show up, the choices that that feel right for them. I want to share a couple examples that might help just, uh, I don't know, help you think about this the way that I've been thinking about it that has really, oh my gosh, it's felt so freeing and so delightful to just say, I'm so glad that other people are taking good care of themselves. Even if I don't agree with the choices they make, 
I want to believe that they're doing a good job for themselves. And even if I think, ugh, some of those decisions might result in unhappiness or if I chose some of the things other people are choosing, I wouldn't like myself very much. I can still allow other people to make those decisions. I mean, I don't allow it. I think that I'm allowing it, but they're actually just making their own decisions based on their own understanding, their own circumstances and belief systems. And it's really beautiful to trust them to do to do their best for themselves and to take myself out of the equation and how it affects me a little bit out of the equation. I'm in no way suggesting that people, again, break down your boundaries or that you uh, invite people to do you harm. Of course not. I'm talking about the way that we sometimes judge people for doing things that really have nothing to do with us because we think that they they do. So, okay, let me give you a couple examples. One of them is that years ago, when I was 14 years old, my mom came home and told us that she was expecting her sixth sixth child. So at this point, I had a brother who was in college. My older sister was 16. I was 14. I had a brother who was 12. And then the youngest was nine. And there were five of us. We were already a big family. And my mom said, we're having a baby. (laughs) Now that was its own thing that we were some of us I was excited I was thrilled my older sister was a little frustrated and a little confused Uh, I mean I don't know what everyone else felt I remember thinking oh that's kind of weird but cool great now what I want to share (laughs) is that sometime during that pregnancy my dad decided to take up the hobby of flying he decided to get his pilot's license, a private pilot's license. And also, not only did he want to become a pilot, he also wanted to start building airplanes. Now, I feel like I should preface this by saying that my dad was a super involved dad when I was younger. We went camping, we went sailing, we went backpacking, he taught me about money, I would work for him and go into the office and go on job sites sometimes and learn how to ride a bike and learn how to ride a scooter. And he, he by no means was not involved. And even as he decided to learn another hobby, I mean, one of the my favorite things about my dad is how much he loves to do things. I think I have a little bit of that gene that he's an adventurous guy and has done lots of different things. He knows a little bit about everything and he's really good at a lot of different things and he loves to do a lot of things. So it wasn't out of the blue that he had a new hobby and it didn't take away from him being a really great dad and being available for lots of fun things. In fact, there were definite times when his being a pilot came in really handy for me. For example, when we flew my date and myself to Wendover, a nearby town, to do an all-you-can-eat buffet date at the Rainbow Casino. (laughs) That was kind of this wild, fun surprise that I got to surprise my date with because my dad could put us in his little plane and fly us out there. So it had both benefit and what felt like perceived detriment for me. However, in my 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old brain, and even, you know, on through the years, as he pursued the hobby of flight, (laughs) of being a pilot and building airplanes, it became something that he really loved. And there were times when it conflicted, in my mind, with something that I wanted him to do. So maybe he would be up at the hangar when I needed him to help me with something for school, or I needed him to take me somewhere. Or he would be working on flying or out on a weekend trip when I wished that he was home for some other reason. I remember sometimes feeling frustrated as a 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, really, uh, that my dad was spending so much time on this hobby that had nothing to do with me. I wonder if any of you can relate if you have someone in your life that makes The decision to spend a lot of time, energy, effort, maybe money, investment on something that they really love for no apparent reason and you don't really understand what's going on or why and all that you can feel is that that hobby or that decision, that uh, time and investment and energy that they're spending is taking something away from you. 
Does anyone, has anyone felt that way? It's so interesting to, to gain the perspective that that person might be making the very best decision for them. And it might not have a whole lot to do with you. And rather than, so, so think of it from the one way you think about how frustrated and annoyed you are that this person is doing something that's taking so much away from you. And on the other hand, when you have this perspective of, wow, they're really leaning into their own intuition and following their own dreams and doing something that they love and that's lighting them up. And I have no idea why, but I can assume that this is something that they want to do. I can trust that they are doing the very best that they can for themselves. And that that doesn't have to take anything away from me. In fact, it can, I can use it as inspiration. I can admire it. I can use it as an example. I can use it as an example of I think it's so inspiring to be able to at any point decide that you have something new you want to learn and to go and learn it and to go and do it. And it's okay that I don't understand because I don't have to. I don't have to choose what other people do with their time and their energy. I can trust that they're, that they're doing a really good job for themselves. Now, I have to just round that story out with uh, sharing that my dad has now been a private pilot for over 20 years. He has built multiple small aircraft. His decision to pursue the hobby of aviation has been something that has enlivened and enriched his life for now two decades. And I imagine it's what he's going to spend the majority of his retirement doing. He's currently in the middle of building another airplane. I'm trying to count. I think this might be his fourth that he's built. And he doesn't, he builds them and then he sells them, flies them for a while. Some of them he keeps, but he has one right now that he's in the middle of. And I'll get a random group text, like in the middle of the afternoon on a Thursday, that shows the the most recent progress of this part is done, or we just finished soldering this, or we got all of the, the wiring done. And he loves it. I am able to now and in the last, you know, 10 years just feel like this is so great for him. I'm so happy that he has something that he loves so much and I love to hear about it and I love to see what he's up to. And rather than feeling like it has anything to do with me or take anything away from me, it's so fun for him. And that feels so much better. I want to share another couple examples of trusting others to make the best decisions for themselves and how relieving that can be. There was a time, and still occasionally, I, I'm actively working on this. These are all things that are ongoing, right? We're, we're continually getting better at the pursuit of the, kind of the, <laughs> our baseline way that we want to act, right? And the way that we want to feel. So I'm much better at this judgment, and I'm much better at trusting than I, than I was years ago. I sometimes, when Dave comes home from work, he will have a transition period, where he'll like go upstairs and change his clothes and then just be gone for a while. And I've most mostly have been home for the day. You know, the last couple of years I would be home and maybe working and the kids would be at school or something. But these days right now, like I'm at home, full on at home with the kids almost nonstop. And so when he gets home, I kind of want to pass the baton. If not physically, like I don't usually leave when he gets home. Sometimes emotionally I'm ready to pass the baton or, or like a little bit responsibility-wise I'm ready to pass the baton. And sometimes I have sort of wanted to micromanage what his transition time looked like. Like he gets home and he usually wants to change his clothes, maybe have a, something to eat or have a drink of water. Uh, maybe he wants to just lay down on the couch for a while and like watch some news or watch some sports or catch up on Twitter or he has the same need for decompression and for sort of relaxing that I do, that anyone does. And I should mention, this is not like the rest of the evening type of thing. This is like a quick like 10 or 15 or 20 minutes of like decompression, transition from work to home life. I get this because I need the same type of transition when I go from homeschool to work or when I go from being at the office to coming home or when I'm on vacation and I come home and have to sort of have that re-entry period. This is a totally natural, normal thing that all of us go through. I also have to mention 
that Dave is one of the most hands-on, equal distribution partners that I have ever even experienced or heard of. Like, he will make dinner on the days that I'm gone. He, I don't have to leave him a massive list of, like, instructions when I go out of town because he knows what to do with the kids. He knows how to take care of them and, and hang out with them. And he is all in on doing the laundry and doing the dishes and helping with everything. Like, he is such a wonderful partner and such an incredible guy. I am so grateful for him. And honestly, every day feel a little bit more, I mean, it's going to sound so cliche, but I was going to say we just did celebrate our anniversary recently, so I am a little bit mushy. But I, I mean, I just, I I really do feel incredibly blessed and like we're really, really well matched and I don't know a better person. I just love him entirely, which makes it all the more ridiculous that I would even have the types of thoughts that I should micromanage his 15-minute downtime before he jumps into doing all of the incredible things that I love that he does. However, sometimes in the past, my inclination has been to feel frustrated that he wasn't immediately on to what can I do to help? Let me make dinner. Let me take over for you. You look tired. You need to take a break. Like he, again, I have to just reiterate that he is so thoughtful. And if I ever just say, I mean, he could walk in the door and I could say, dude, I'm leaving. Like I need a break. I'm going to take off for a while. He would say, great, go for it. You deserve it. You need it. And so it's funny that I would even think this and somehow, sometimes I still have, this sort of silly idea that he would just always be able to read my mind and follow the exact script that I think would work out really well for him, make all of the choices that I prefer for when he comes home and transitions or when he has any sort of free time. Wouldn't it be nice if all of the people in our lives spent their free time doing the things that we want them to do to make our lives easier? (laughs) I mean, it sounds so silly and yet I feel like a lot of us way down deep somewhere sort of do expect that and then we feel the frustration when it's not happening all the time here's the thing friends i can go sit on the couch i can go upstairs and take a rest i can decide to not make dinner or that we're having cereal or all of those decisions about how i act i am free to do at any time the way that he's acting doesn't need to change the way that I choose to act. Yet sometimes I take a cue from, well, he's going to be resting. That means I need to be on rather than maybe we should both rest. Maybe him coming home and saying, I'm going to take 20 minutes to just like veg and transition out of work mode. Maybe that's a good time for me to say, okay, kids, you're on your own for a little bit. I'm going to go veg with dad and we're going to reconnect and we're both going to catch up on Twitter and we're both going to just relax together. Now, The thing that I've been working on and the way that I frame this is believing in Dave. I believe that he is a fully developed, smart, intuitive, generous, and compassionate person who can make really good decisions. I trust that my sweet husband knows what's best for himself, that he can make really good decisions for himself. And they might not always look like the decisions I would make from the outside when what I'm actually thinking about is myself, not him. (laughs) Does this make sense? You're probably relating to this idea that a lot of times when we want to change people, it's because they're not doing the things we wish they would do to affect our lives. Instead, they're making the decisions that work really well for their lives. And there's something really honorable and noble about that. We can believe in other people's ability to choose for themselves the way that they want to act, the way they want to behave in the world, especially if they're adults, especially if they're our spouses or our partners or our friends or our coworkers. We can trust that those people are doing their very best with all of the understanding, all of the circumstances, and all of the uh, experience that they have. And 
I'm going to venture that most of the time, it's going to be a little different than the way you think you would act if you were them considering yourself. It has been really powerful for me to just acknowledge that I want to trust other people with their lives. That means that I don't have to worry so much about what other people are doing all the time, how they're acting, how their choices even affect me, because their lives are not all about me. My life is about me. And Jody Moore also said this interesting thing the other day that resentment shows up when we aren't meeting our own needs. Resentment is what happens when we don't meet our needs. Oftentimes, we resent other people for not meeting our needs. But that's not the way that this works. Resentment actually shows up when we aren't meeting our needs, when we have not trusted ourselves enough to say, I need some space, so I'm going to create that space. I need to sleep in today, so I'm going to sleep in today, and I'm not going to martyr for the fact that someone else hasn't provided me the opportunity. I have control over my decisions, and I am the very best equipped person to meet my own needs. I want to share one more example. These are all personal examples. I haven't asked my family members, so hopefully they're okay with me sharing (laughs) my thoughts and feelings about them uh, on the show today. So this one, it has to do with one of my kids or just my children in general. I don't have to make a specific example. I can think of lots of times, even just like this morning, that my kids didn't make the decision that I wanted them to make. This could be that I asked one of my children maybe 16 times to finish unloading the dishwasher, which is a common thing around our house. My kids know they they unload and load the dishwasher. We have a chart. They can check it. It's really easy. And most of the time, there's not a whole lot of uh, problems. You know, people just do it. And for whatever reason, today I was reminding and reminding and reminding. And I didn't really get frustrated about it. I more just thought, huh, this is so interesting that he is very much doing what he wants to do rather than what I want him to do. And that's okay. You know, there are some boundaries and there are some consequences and, and all of those things are also okay. So you, you don't load the dishwasher, then you don't get to use the screen during learning screen time later until it's loaded. So maybe you are going to spend a little bit more time, you know, bopping around the house when you really want to settle down and watch National Geographic. Instead, you're going to be either loading the dishwasher or staring at the wall. But rather than being frustrated and upset and mad about it because of how it affects me, because I want I want it to be done so that I can get over it. I want it to be done so we can move on. I want it to be done so that my day is easier. Maybe it's okay for my kids to make the choices that they're going to make And I get to manage myself around that. I can stay calm. I can stay in love and in peace regardless of the choices that they're making. And in fact, I want to believe that my kids are always going to make the right choices for them. And guaranteed, sometimes the choices that they think are right for them are not going to be the same as the choices that I think are right for them. And while they're young, while they're kids, this is definitely a formative time that we're teaching them and we're uh, helping them learn principles and values. And more than anything, I want my kids to grow up understanding what they love, who they are, and how to trust themselves. And if all I do is tell them all the time what to do, and if they don't do it, then I do it for them, and I make up for all the difference— then instead of raising children who have learned how to believe in and trust themselves and make good decisions that align with their personal values and the people they are, I will have simply created another person who doesn't know where to go for the answers, that looks to everyone else to make them happy or to make choices for them, or to make them feel the the way that they want to feel, rather than knowing that all of that power exists inside of them. I'm going to share a lot more about this in an upcoming episode because I loved the book, The Self-Driven Child, and I think there's a lot in there to unpack that relates not only to the kids and, and 
gosh, how incredibly powerful it is to teach kids about their own power. Also, there's so much in there for parents, for adults. And some of the things that we are talking about today, this idea of releasing the need to control what everyone else does in order for you to feel better, trusting that other people are going to make the best decisions that they can with what they have. And it might not be what you would choose, but that's okay. You can trust them anyway. Ernest Hemingway once said, the best way to find out if you can trust someone is to trust them. I think that that's a good place to close today. I hope that in reflecting on the topics of trusting yourself and trusting others today, that you have felt empowered in your ability to create your own experience by choosing what you can choose for you, going inside for those answers to the questions and decisions that you have, and also by allowing and just embracing the idea that others are going to choose what's best for them. And sometimes that will be for your benefit and sometimes it won't. Either way, let's celebrate trusting other people and releasing the need that we might otherwise feel to make decisions for them or to make them choose differently. It's so relieving and so empowering to say, you've got this, you've got this, I've got this, and you've got this. Okay, friends, if I were to sum up the entire episode in just 30 seconds, I would say you are doing your very best, and it's really good, and some days it's not so good, but it's still your best, and it's okay. And everyone around you is doing their very best, And some days it's really good and some days it's terrible. And regardless, it's their very best and it's okay. Let's give ourselves a little bit more grace and compassion and trust ourselves. Ask ourselves first before we ask anyone else what's right for us. And let's give others so much compassion and love them and trust them to make good decisions even when we don't understand And even when we think it might negatively affect us, believe that people are doing their best and they're doing their best for them. And that is something to be celebrated. I am so grateful for you showing up here every week. I hope that these episodes uplift, inspire, and help you on your journey to living a little bit more creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. Would you do me a quick favor? Would you share this episode or any other of your favorite episodes on social media or text it to a friend? Your personal recommendation makes a huge impact, and I would love for as many people as possible to join us here. Have a great one. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.